Hi everyone, welcome to our PAX East 2018 wrap-up episode. I am joined today by Jenna and James. Hey guys. Hey. Hello. I don't know why I sound so like fabulous right now. Maybe it's because I enjoy <laughs> hey. PAX so much. <laughs> I guess I just enjoy PAX so much. I think so it's much. the East Coast mentality starting to get to you, man. Living here a couple yeah. of years and it's just kind of that valley starts slipping in. I gotta make sure I don't lose my Australian accent. Do it again, but more Australian. Oh, I've got to make sure I don't lose my Australian accent. No, 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 no. do the do whole the intro. intro again, but more awesome. Oh, g'day. How you going? Uh, welcome to our PAX East wrap-up episode. Repisode and shit? Repisode. That's how we talk down under, mate. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> was, that was fantastic. That's the one. So thanks for joining us, everyone. Yeah. If you went to PAX, I guess you can listen to us talk about some games that you would have seen there. If yes. you didn't go to PAX, you can live through us. As is your want. PAX East is so freaking huge. It's just fucking enormous. Uh, I don't. How many PAXs have you been to? Another PAX other than East? I know you've been to Unplugged. Yeah, yeah. so I've only done PAX teams. East and PAX Unplugged. Uh, PAX East, I think I've done maybe three or four times now. Okay. Yeah. Um, size of it, it's it stayed the same size, but it's just it's massive. You know, and what yes. kills me is the lines. You know, if you want to see any of the big games, you're waiting in lines for hours to be able to test this stuff out. Yeah. This year, too, a lot of the games that those booths, say, like uh, PlayStation or Xbox, were demoing are games that are already out. Mm. So you you don't really have to wait in line. You could just go home and play them. They didn't have, yeah. Well, the, the Detroit was there, which was which is not out yet. And that was kind of like mm -hmm. a, I guess, a you know, like a major release that's coming up. But there weren't a huge amount of them. There's a new World of Warcraft everyone was into. But uh, I, th I think those were the two biggest games there. Apparently Telltale announced a new Walking Dead or something. Um, but I didn't see them there. Did anyone see Telltale there? No, I didn't. I, uh, yeah. I saw the signs up for them, but I mean, I'm going to be honest. At this point, Telltale just kind of blends into all the other Telltales for yeah. me. Someone told me afterwards, oh, did you see the Telltale announcement? I was, nope. I guess I was did you looking at all the other stuff I didn't there uh, is a lot happening it. there though there's no way that oh, yeah. you can like attending packs you can't you can't see and do everything and it's four days now and you still can't it flew by for me it, same for me too and uh I do feel like I was a little more exhausted at the end of it no yes. definitely and I think the panels have been getting better as well as years have gone on and to me, mm. that's that's one of the biggest draws now is, you know, originally when I started going to PAX, it was all about the games, what I could see, what I could test, what I could play. Now I'm, I'm enjoying the panels almost more than that preview of the games, because in the, the gaming world, most of these previews exist already. You know, you can already see it. You can yeah. already test it. You know, if you just want to see the game, you can jump on Twitch and see it. Someone will, you know, like they, they give them out early that you can see people playing it. Uh, if you want to try it out, I guess it's worth, you know showing up but i don't know but the panels i agree i um uh i'm super into the acquisitions inc live panels uh, i love that they did a really good job of that this time that was an awesome one this time yeah yeah you guys told me all about that <laughs> made you watch it later <laughs> yeah no it was, it was really cool i i've always loved the panels i love listening to people who have made the games talk about them i do mm. feel like there weren't as many of them or the ones this year were more about the YouTubers playing the games rather than the people who, you know, rather than the developers coming out and talking about them. I actually mm. was really missing the Gearbox panel this year. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't do one. Maybe that's because they're in crunch mode on Borderlands 3 and so they couldn't <laughs> venture out. I'm going to assume that's what it is. 
I'm going to hope that's what it is. Yeah. That better be what it is. You guys keep telling me how amazing their panels are. And the first year I plan to go, they don't have one. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> well, if I recall, last year was where they showed us footage of the mysterious game that they wouldn't say the name of, which is was obviously Borderlands 3, right? That was he last definitely, year. I mean, he came out and said, you guys know what game this is. Yeah. I don't have to tell you. I but just am not ready right? to officially release it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a so, fact. So I guess it kind of fits that maybe, maybe they, maybe that's what they're doing. They're actually literally working on it. That seems very feasible given that. So we can cross. Yes. <laughs> but the Penny Arcade panels are always great. Yeah, I love them. Penny Arcade was really good. Um, a couple of the ones that I went to that you guys didn't go to uh, for independent game designers, they had a couple of really cool panels. Yeah. And the idea of whether you should find a publisher for your game or whether you go independent, um, you know, publish yourself, run a Kickstarter. What does that look like? And those mm -hmm. conversations were with developers who had gone through the process themselves. So it was really great to hear from a variety of people, a variety of experiences, and really give you some insight. If you want to join this world, what does that look like? You know, what are the challenges yeah. you're going to face and how do you overcome them? That's excellent. You know, the reality is when you decide to, to make an independent game, uh, in that tabletop world, Kickstarter is kind of known as the go-to path to to get mm. that out. And it's huge right now. But there's a lot of other ways you can go. Um, and getting in touch with local publishing companies or even some of the major publishing companies can be a hard route. But at the yeah. end of the day, pay off better because it truly is less work at the end of the day to do that than it is to try and run a true full Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, Kickstarter is tough. We ran a small one. And I guess I just, we've talked about this on the show before, like it was just a little thing to make it, we wanted to summon the ghost of Steve Jobs, you know, as you do. And, <laughs> Which you can uh, watch still, if you'd like. Yeah, it's on our YouTube channel. And it was successful and it got funded, but just the, I guess the management of it, it, it can be really intense. And I, and we didn't do a whole lot of research. It was kind of just a thing we did in the spur of the moment because people suggested it. And then the, just, you basically, that kind of thing can be a full-time job pushing a crowdfunding campaign so oh yeah. oh yeah yeah any kind of social media like that yeah you know the, the biggest lesson these guys are telling you is if you do decide to run a kickstarter the entire time that kickstarter is open you know that month that it's running that's it that's all you have time for if you're not 100 yeah. on top of it it's not going to be successful yeah yeah I like i said even our little little shitty one we did for our film was it was uh it was a heavy workload involved with just keeping up. Yeah, and there were a lot of out-of-pocket expenses anyway once we gave out all of the... Um... <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. You're going to do a Kickstarter. Don't, oh. uh, don't promise much that costs more than the Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> was you really want to figure out those financials before you set everything up. Just lessons learned. Lessons learned, James. James, just lessons, you know? Yeah, yeah life, life lessons. Life lessons, yeah. Financial yeah. lessons. <laughs> but um yeah so moving on from from your own way of publishing games let's take a look at some of the games that were out there today we were looking at um you yes. guys got to take a look at one of the the horror games there called the muir um no I, yes. I didn't i didn't check this one out what was this game all about i had played through the demo of this it is a an adventure game uh by wither studios it's a, it's a video game uh i'm it's coming to pc and i think they plan to bring it on other platforms at some point if it's successful uh it's like I said, it's a side-scrolling adventure game where you're in, in the demo. You're kind of a 
it's got a very Lovecrafty feel. You're a guy who comes to this old mansion and, and he's uncovering a mystery and there's horrible creatures and you have to solve puzzles and make your way through. It's uh, it was it was really cool. The art style was really neat. It's got uh, like a cool, cartoony but also horrific art style. And uh, yeah, I, I believe it's coming out later this year. I watched you play this, and I um because I didn't have the headset on. I didn't I didn't know what you were listening to. Yeah. But what it appeared to me was that you were kind of in a maze where things kept changing, but it was the same location every time. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, you interact with things either by walking up and, you know, opening a door, but you also have like a, uh, you, you acquire abilities as you go along, kind of supernatural abilities. And, and then you use those to interact with other things and you can reveal secret messages on walls. And sometimes when that happens, the layout changes as well. It's very... Uh, like I said, it's very Lovecrafty. Very, it captures kind of the feel of madness, like a dream, where it's like, well, I went down this corridor before, and there wasn't a door there. Now there's a door there. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it, it captures that very well. And uh, yeah, like you, you can you walk to the left, and then you find something, and then you walk to the right, and then the right doesn't lead back the way you came anymore. It leads somewhere else. If you go to withastudios.com, you can see it. They got some screenshots and uh, and you can uh, watch a video of the gameplay there. One game that I wanted to talk about and I have uh, since PAX, I actually did not get to play this at PAX, but we <laughs> returned to the booth multiple times. And since then, I have been playing it and it's amazing. And this is Puss from Team Coil. So we were drawn to this booth with just the big word Puss over the, uh, the <laughs> one of the tiny indie booths. And it is a mess of just things floating on the screen. Um, the demo reel had a cat riding a dolphin through a sunset. God, yeah, this game like legitimately almost gave me seizures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Try playing it. It's, <laughs> it's one of those games where you can get intensely frustrated but want to keep going because it's it's so ridiculous and good. I had been at work all day and I tried to play it and I just couldn't do it. Just... I haven't made it past. I'm still, I mean, the demo's out now. It doesn't come out until June. Um, I can't, I can't even get to the boss of the demo. I think <laughs> I've gotten two worlds away from it. And I still just keep going back. So the levels change every time the worlds change. So it's totally random what you're going to get. Some of them are very easy. All you do is move a little cat head to a little glitchy part of the screen. So you some just drag of them it with are, your mouse, right? Yeah, yep. So some of them are just like an easy path to go. You can't hit the sides of it. Otherwise, it'll glitch out and then start you back over. Um, and some of them just have shit floating through the screen and everything's happening in the background. This game is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. I'm, if, you, if you go off the path, it doesn't, it's not like, it's, I don't even know how to describe it because it, 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 it's like, you know, when the TV fuzzes and it's it's just... Oh God, it's it's insanity. Like everything, like it goes all fuzzy and 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 zaps and and glitches and oh my God! Please, everyone, go get this the demo on Steam. Yes. it'll be out in June. But please, please go play the demo. It, just experience it at least once. <laughs> yeah, um, 
I mean, I think one experience is enough to to tell me no on this. I didn't even play the game. <laughs> I only watched it, but there is no way I could play this game. It's very just, difficult. Oh, it is so trippy. Like I said, I because I, I I work with computers. I'm using a mouse all day. I came home, tried to play the game, and I was just I was just like, oh, I can't do it right now. I I am gonna give it another shot when I when I'm not, you know, I'm not mouse fatigued. I guess is the right word, uh, because it's very oh god, you gotta be yeah. So I mean, is this at that that difficulty level of like Super Meat Boy where it's it seems impossible, but you know there's a way? I actually think that Puss is easier than Super Meat Boy. I I'm so bad at that game. Super Meat Boy. Yeah. Well, I actually I started replaying uh, the original Super Meat Boy on the Switch after PAX because uh, I had the pleasure of experiencing Super Meat Boy Forever, the new game from. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Tommy from Team Meat. Uh, it is, if you've played Super Meat Boy uh, and you're familiar with it, it's more of the same sort of, uh, but it is like a, an infinite runner. But he's runner. constantly moving in this one, right? Yeah, it's like an yeah. infinite runner. Yeah, he's constantly and, moving and um, levels are auto-generated, right? Yeah, so they're made up of of blocks of of, of puzzle, I guess. So like, there's, there's kind of like... Uh, I guess Lego pieces of level that contain little puzzle pieces, and then it randomly assembles them into a level. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty- every puzzle piece has essentially a difficulty rating attached to it. Yeah. So as you advance in difficulty level, you'll be getting more, more. I mean, I guess puzzle pieces is a great way to describe it. More of these puzzle pieces at that higher difficulty rating. So yeah. you're hitting the same. You could be doing the same level over and over again, but be playing different levels every time. Does that makes sense. So that. That makes it harder mm-hmm. because I, I feel like the <laughs> you way that what's you coming. get good at Meat Boy is muscle memory. Yes. And kind of like a trial by death thing. I think once it's generated and you're playing it, it sticks. But the next mm-hmm. time you play the game, it's different. So. Right. It's kind of. Well, I was, I, maybe not infinitely replayable, but it's certainly quite replayable. Right. And uh, and and it feels good, like it's got good, you know, because the the one of the things about Super Meat Boy is the controls are always really solid. Like it feels like you're in control, and 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 when you, it always felt like if you, if you fucked up, you fucked up. It's not like yeah, I'm very good like, at controlling myself into a saw. Yeah, like yeah. But, over but, and over. But it's because you didn't react. It's not because like the controls are bad or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right. It always feels like ah, uh, I'm just not like I don't know. I feel like it's they're very tight games, and this feels the same. Like it's just very responsive, and it feels good to play, like control wise, and it's hilarious because <laughs> he's a boy made of meat. What is the story behind this one? You know what? I'm not sure. I assume it's similar. He seems to have a family now. He's got like a kid, but he's still uh, still with Bandage Girl, presumably, and uh, she's still being kidnapped by that asshole in the in the glass dome thing. I hope he's so. still with her after everything you went through in the first game. Well, you know, things change. Her. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Maybe he got bored. <laughs> uh, we saw a really cool um, paper folding game. It's playable on uh, laptop and laptop (laughs) (laughs) it is definitely playable exclusively laptop exclusively laptop (laughs) it's playable on pc and on ipads this Mm -hmm. is kinoto uh Mm -hmm. it was actually made by some people uh studio flip lived not very far from us in sydney yeah it's weird that we 
didn't interact with them ever at, <laughs> at, at like stuff in Sydney because that's that's yeah, um, it's weird. <laughs> it was a cute, cute puzzle game. Uh, kind of the art reminded me of. Uh, do you guys remember uh, Strawberry Shortcake? Yeah, yeah, I can totally I, I, see I, that. I, I yeah. know, I know of that. Right. Well, you um, you can fold the paper in to to solve puzzles. Mm-hmm. And and by paper, you're really talking the screen itself. The screen. Right? So the game right. screen is the paper. And you can fold, bend, twist that. And that's how you would solve the puzzles to move mm. through the game. It's really, really cool gameplay. Um, I actually saw a couple of, of similar style games at PAX East where you're kind of folding paper and manipulating that to solve puzzles. But I think Quinoto really did the best job. Um, of kind of harnessing that, you know, making that kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's a little bit of a magic to it, right? Yeah, at first I thought, oh, this is kind of weird, but it it, it works. Like, once you once you see it, like, what 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 needs to be done, you go, oh, okay, and and it makes sense. It's like, And the puzzles are really well done. Like, the artwork, I guess, really needs to be solid to make the puzzles work, and, and they nailed that, I think. Yeah, and it's pretty early on, too. I think she mm. said that it would be at least next year before it's ready. Reminds me of one of those Mad Magazine fold-ins. <laughs> you know, the back page of Mad Magazine? Do you guys have Mad Magazine here? I, I don't. I know um, we sold your hoard <laughs> yeah. a few years Did ago. Did you have that over here? Or is, is that like a... No, you had Mad TV. No, you know, we, we had what? Mad Magazine and Mad TV. We, we had oh, Mad you guys just... Magazine we did. First. I we personally just, did yeah, not. Yeah, I personally did not. Okay. All right, cool. So I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, hopefully, there's the, a listener out there who knows page. what I'm talking about. Write <laughs> in, guys. Yeah, podcast at multiplenerdgasm.com. <laughs> All hail Mad Magazine. So did you like? Did you fold the back cover of that magazine to solve a puzzle and move to the next level? Move <laughs> to the next magazine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you weren't allowed to read the next one until you solved the uh, the puzzle on the final page of the one before. Obviously, yeah. So that, that's how often similar. did those come out? I guess I want to say monthly. Maybe maybe bi monthly or something like that. Oh, so you had you had kind of a while to solve the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did, and then uh, at a certain point, I got stuck, and then uh, had to stop you reading. Never read again. <laughs> I had to stop reading it, and then they went out of business because yeah, <laughs> because nobody no one could had solve made the it that problems. far. because yeah. <laughs> apparently I was the only fucking person reading it. Another paper cutout related game that we saw briefly uh, was Flipping Death. Uh, which we saw last year at PAX East as well. Um, it, they had it on show again this year. It's still not ready, uh, which is disappointing because I really want to play it. But uh, it, it's by Zoink, uh, and it's coming out on the Switch, uh, I think, maybe next year. They, weren't, they, they didn't really know yet, so it's, it's still, uh, still in development. But it's, it's the I game... I think we uh, talked about this game last year. Yeah, you play a character who... Uh, you can, I, I think you are the Grim Reaper or you become the Grim Reaper or you get hired mm-hmm. to be the Grim Reaper and you can flip between the living world and the dead world and the, the, the screen kind of flips around and you can see the front and back of the, of the, uh, the backdrop because you're all kind of paper cutouts and then you solve puzzles by switching between the worlds. It's really cool uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it is, it is really cool. While we're talking about paper cutting games, mm. um, I think that we should bring up Projection um, yes, we saw this game at EB Expo in 2015, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, you can see uh, our little our video on our YouTube channel about it. That we our brief foray into uh, YouTube clips of interviews. Yeah, we interviewed uh, Michael Michael, the developer, 
and made a little video. It's on our YouTube. And now he came all the way to PAX East and the game's like fucking awesome. The game's looking beautiful. It's so yeah. cool to see how it's changed in the past three years. Mm. And it got a shout out from uh, Mike from Penny Arcade because uh, its concept is so clever. Like you, you move a light source around and you can walk on the shadows that are created by the objects. And that's how you move around the levels. It's just like it's just a super solid mm. idea. It's really clean. It's really well done. Um, so the controls, you have a shadow puppet, kind of a stick puppet that you're moving around. You do that with your left stick. And then with your right stick, you're moving the light source. And mm. as that light source moves around the objects, it creates shadows that you use basically as stepping stones. So you have to control both at the same time in order to overcome the different obstacles and kind of solve the puzzles throughout the game. While you guys were talking with Michael, I spent the entire time just playing that game because it was awesome. <laughs> so I have no idea what you talked about. I was just <laughs> intensely trying to figure and play this game out. It's amazing. We mostly, because he's from Sydney as well. And uh, and so a lot of it was just logistical stuff about, <laughs> the, you know, being in America and all that kind of stuff. But we did, uh, you know, like he, he got picked up uh, Bluefish is publishing the game. Uh, it's going really well. He had, he had to port it over from from the previous engine he was on, so that took a lot of work. And uh, and they've just been polishing and polishing it for uh, for the last couple of years. And uh, and I guess that's why it looks so good. They've they've just really um, he said that they with the levels and the puzzles and stuff like that, it's quality over quantity. And they're trying not to just pack stuff in there. It's it, it it's all quality stuff as far as you know the puzzles and, and things go. So, yeah, it's looking great. Um, James, you played a game that I thought looked really interesting, uh, Opus Magnum by Zachtronics. Yes, I did. What? <laughs> which game was that? That was <laughs> the game where you were you, you had to place machine parts and you were giving them instructions. Oh, my God, that game. Yeah. Okay. All right. This game is really cool. It's also really frustrating. I only played like five minutes and I already got frustrated with it and slightly addicted to it, which is why I walked away. Um, you sure? This is what puss is for me. Yeah, is, is that what it is? Is that puss for you? Like, Yeah, yeah. That I'm like, God, I can't take this, but I, I like it a lot and I want to keep going. Yeah, no, this basically the same reaction. Like, God, I fucking, I can't, this is horrible. I can't stop. I need to keep going. Um, so Opus Magnum is all about essentially creating assembly lines is really the easiest way to put it but you need to select the different parts of the machine you're going to use place them where you want on the the map um, give them instructions specific instructions how far they're going to rotate when they pick something up when they drop something off what they connect to so it's it's a very it's a problem solving game you have to get mm. items from like a to b but how you get them there you need to essentially program the machine to do it it is it's really cool um again you know i only played like five minutes because i knew if i didn't stop i wasn't going to stop <laughs> but this is this is definitely something to check out just be aware that this is going to be a time suck you're going to sit down to play this for 10 minutes and then an hour or two hours is going to go by as you're just going through and building out what's happening do you guys it reminded me of uh do you guys ever play that i'm pretty sure it was a sierra game the incredible machine and there was a, there were a bunch of sequels to it but yeah, it was yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of that a little bit in that you had to build a machine to solve puzzles. This one was more instruction based, whereas that what well, well it, you still had to build the thing, but it had an instruction element. It seemed like a like a 
uh, kind of progression on that theme anyway. Yeah, it's definitely taking that, like that base idea, bringing it to that next level. Yeah. You know, and adding in a, almost a programming element to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looked really cool. Yeah, I'll check that out. Zachtronics, I believe, is the developer of that. Opus Magnum. Looks really cool. Check it out. I think it's out on Steam already, actually. I could be wrong about that. You know what? I should probably check before I say it. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> Since when are we hey, If it's not, just go to Steam. Look for it. You can put it on your your list. Yeah. That's your wish list. Yeah. And if it's not there, then don't. Yeah. And then email me, podcast at multiplenergasm.com. Tell them an And idiot. then email Zachtronics and tell them to get it on Steam. <laughs> exactly. Jenna, you got to play a game where you played as a vacuum cleaner, correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rumu, it, it's so cute. You play as a sentient vacuum cleaner that loves everyone and everything. So your response to everything is, cat, I love cat. I love messes. I love cleaning. And you <laughs> are being tested uh, initially by the, the smart house, um, who keeps telling you that the owners will be back soon. But in the demo, I never saw them. Um, <laughs> and you kind of start to think that there might be something up well, with I mean, the smart house. In the demo, you were cleaning up bloody messes well it was it was a vague resemblance to blood that could mm. have been jam that's true there was a piece of toast <laughs> mm -hmm. well i kind of like that ambiguousness really it's like oh maybe maybe there isn't something going on or maybe there is like that's pretty neat the voice acting is great um and it had a few different puzzles in it, it it's just a really cute game Mm. And I'm in love with the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and it's in love with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, Rumu from Robot House. Yeah, they're Australian yeah, this one is as on well. Steam. Mm -hmm. That's out now, I think, right? Yeah. 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 Check it out. Yeah, it, that it looks really cool. It's a cool little adventure mystery game, I think. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, that one looked really interesting. You were down there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. While you were playing that, we were checking out Framed Collection. Uh, and that's yeah. out. That's out now on Steam, right? That's something you can grab immediately. I think. I think the, so the original two frames are individually. The collection comes out in uh, a bit later this year. But, so oh. but you can check out the original games. Yeah. So this game, this is a really cool kind of concept, right? Um, easiest way to describe it is that you've got a set of cartoon panels on the screen. And they interact with each other as depending on how you place them. So you, you're starting in one point, you need to end at another point, and you have to swap and move the tiles around to get your character to interact appropriately inside of every panel to make it safely from A to B. That's um, a great idea. It's, it's really, really cool. cool. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, as things connect through, you'll suddenly realize, like, okay, I need to have these two panels connected in order for them to make it there, but it's got to come before this and after that. And... It's, mm -hmm. yeah. it's interesting. It's a great puzzle setup. Um, and the graphics were really neat. I mean, I don't know. I just thought it was a really fun game. Yeah, I like that it's clever. Like, if you enter the panel from the left, then, you know, he gets shot by a policeman or something like that. If you enter it from the right, he can run around the corner. Like, it's just, yeah, it's very cool. And, and each frame is, I get, they actually have all the animations. It's not, there's nothing cookie cutter about any of it. It's all 
very handcrafted puzzles. It's great. Yeah, and every animation, you know, so for every frame, there's an animation for every frame that you could possibly place before it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that makes sense, right? So it's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. like, you know, you put the two wrong panels together, the guy just walks in and waves his hand and goes, nope. You know, yeah. you see what happens <laughs> and how that interaction goes to help you understand what you need to do. Yeah. So it's almost worth doing it wrong just to see what happens in some cases. Uh, we played, Jenna and I played against each other in a game uh, that reminded me of, of the old uh, Half-Life 2 mod, The Ship. Uh, it turns out that's because it was made by the guys who made the Half-Life mod, The Ship, <laughs> uh, who one of the guys we were chatting to. Uh, it's Murderous Pursuits by Blazing Griffin, and it is a descendant of that game, but uh, it, it's got, I think, more going on. It's actually really cool. You... It's a multiplayer game. You are assigned a target to assassinate. Uh, you you are also assigned as a target for someone else to assassinate. And then you have to wander around the environment, blending in uh, to hide from your assassin while also attempting to find and murder your target. And uh, you can, if you stand in a position kind of marked, then you will perform the same kind of actions as the, the NPCs. So you look like a NPC. And then as soon as you start walking around and kind of, you know, hunting, it, it, it's going to become more obvious to the other players that you're not an NPC or one of the, the other players. You know what I mean? I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it makes total sense. How many players can join in on a, on a single match? That's a good question. And I think quite a lot, like, because the, the maps were pretty pretty big i think uh you know what let me check how many could in the ship it was it was a lot of people yeah one to one to eight. Oh, and um if you're listening to this episode when it comes out um they are actually having an open beta this weekend oh very cool and the game uh apparently unlocks on steam april 26th so uh so it's, it's gonna be available really soon well that sounds fantastic that game looks really I cool it, yeah. it was fun, and I think this would be a good game to um, play with friends. It's not oh, yeah. a very long game. You can kind of jump in for a match or two. Well, we played the ship quite a lot uh, back in the day, and it's like it's the same kind of thing. You, you're like, oh, what are you guys doing? Oh, you want to play a quick game of Motor Pursuits? Mm. Like, absolutely. Like, it's, it's a good, fun game. <laughs> That's my uh, reenactment of what will happen. It's oh, a good reenactment. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Of the it's a good, fun yeah. game. That's, yeah. that's just <laughs> how I speak about things. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you talked a lot about Graveyard Keeper while we were there. Um, you know, yeah. when I took a look at this, I just saw it as Farmville for graveyards. So yeah. maybe you can explain how it's not. <laughs> I see it as a Stardew Valley for graveyards, which, because uh, Stardew Valley, I like, but it's not, it, it doesn't quite hook me because it doesn't have, it's not set in a graveyard. and <laughs> I'm not a graveyard keeper. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what Graveyard Keeper has over Stardew Valley is that it is set in a graveyard and you are a Graveyard Keeper. So, um, you know, I think it's uh, it, it's not quite exactly the same thing, but it is like a, a you know, top-down kind of uh, graveyard management simulator. Uh, they call it the, the, the world's most inaccurate graveyard simulator or something like that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's by Lazy Bear Games. It's coming out uh, hopefully later this year. I've I signed up for the alpha just because I I just really like it. It's just cool. The art's cool. 
I like the concept. It's like a goofy game of running a graveyard. Like you, you gotta, you know, you craft things, you solve puzzles, you meet people, do quests. It's it looks really cool. I think I have a hard time getting into those kinds of games. Um, what was that? Uh, what was the space one? I just couldn't do it. Oh, uh, uh, Starbound. Starbound, yeah. And Terraria as well. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, I love all those games. They're that's they're cool. I like to just kind of chill and explore and have some fun in them and build a house and then live in the house that I built. <laughs> Except in this house, in this case, I guess it's a grave. I live in a grave. I think if anything was going to get me into that style of game, it would be graveyards. <laughs> yeah, this one might turn it around for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see when it comes out. Uh, we got to revisit a game that we have played in the past. Uh, another one, another example of a game we played in the past, actually, uh, mm-hmm. and and really enjoyed. And actually, uh, uh, they remembered us, and uh, it was kind of like a fun little reunion. We got to play Armed and Gelatinous again. The, uh, this game, for me, wins PAX East this year. <laughs> it's Ooh, that's, so... that's a heavy... Yeah, no, they might. It's such uh, a with how goofy, many times fun we, game. we returned, and I think I think we dominated that game for like half an hour. <laughs> no, man, least. that dude, okay, that so dude showed up and that kicked all our asses. definitely wins Paxies for multiplayer for me, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, for sure. overall game, I would have to go with projection. Okay, but Armed and Gelatinous was just um, it was amazing. It was so much fun to play. Mm-hmm. So. We- I guess we've talked about it, we talked about it on our Pax Oz episode from a few years ago. Um, basically, you're a blob, and you in the in the, the primary game mode. I guess you're a blob on the screen. You collect guns from crates and shoot the other blobs. And there's four, up to four players, right? Yeah, up to four players. And as you collect guns, your blob increases in size. <laughs> yeah, it decreases which, in speed. Yeah, decreases in speed, makes it easier to hit, but you also increase in health. So it's it's very well balanced where you could be yeah. the largest blob on the screen and then suddenly just explode and everybody's stealing the guns <laughs> that you have. Yeah, and the guns go flying everywhere. Oh man, it's it's so much fun. It's just like a, it's I, it's you get a bunch of friends over on the couch and and shoot each other as blobs. It's great. <laughs> there are a bunch of other competitive games on there too. Like uh, we played the soccer one a lot. Yeah. The soccer um, one actually makes me a little anxious when I play it because I'm bad at it. And then <laughs> it's I compare it to you know uh, foosball tables. I hate them. They make they actually <laughs> I get very I get anxious when I play them because I feel like I am not in control of what's happening, even though I'm literally in control of what's happening. Like yeah, I just, no, I will I will definitely give you that because I mean the controls a little. You know, it's a little loose, which makes the the combat really fun, but it does make the soccer a little harder. Um, it's only because you're you have to kind of travel around the ball to push it in a direction. Yes, yeah, and other exactly. everyone else is pushing it, and I'm just like, ah, it's like it's fun. It's just, uh, yeah, I just and it gives me that that's the same feeling as as foosball. Well, aside from the anxiety, I mean, one of the benefits there is just that there's there's more replay value with this game. You know, it's not Absolutely. just a single mode anymore. They've added a lot to it. Um, mm-hmm. They give you a lot Dodge of control. Ball. 
the dodgeball was dodgeball was mad fun. <laughs> dodgeball um, is sick. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, I mean, even when you're just going in and you're doing that that free for all combat, you can go through and pick out which specific weapons are going to be available. Um, things mm. like that, right? So it's little stuff that really makes the game more replayable, a little bit more fun. Yeah, a great party game. I honestly feel like I summed it up best uh, when I said bracket pop Q7 in my pocket <laughs> tweet. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely that sums up that game. <laughs> yeah. Definitely definitely on brand uh, Twitter posting from Don't walk and tweet, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I played a, a, a crazy game that uh at first i wasn't sure about but it like it won me over it's pixel ripped which is a vr game uh from uh Avor, i think I'm, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly uh, anna is the developer she's um she's from brazil and she made this game uh for uh it was an oculus rift that we that i played it on and you are playing on a handheld console inside the game but then because you're the chosen one the game comes out of the handheld console and into real life and it moves through these different game modes and at first it was it was odd because i was i was in vr playing on like a game boy but just in vr and i was like okay like it's it's a it's a cool concept but it's not you know, I wouldn't want to do this constantly. And then as it went on, uh, there was a mode where you you have to play the game on the Game Boy while you're in class at school. And you, if the teacher sees you, you get in trouble. So you have to use a spitball gun to shoot spitballs and distract her and stuff. I didn't like that. That that part of the game, I felt, was a little... I don't know. That wasn't for me. But then the game explodes out of the, the console and then you're playing like this big like surround VR platform game and that was sick uh so and you have to use a spitball gun to to shoot stuff to get the character to move like in a, it just and, and in, like it's like I'm I haven't seen Ready Player One yet but I imagine like it, it's they, they come from a similar place where it's like nostalgia yeah like, it's, it's just that 80s throwback references um yeah. that's what this game was all about Yes. So, while you were playing, I actually got a chance to to kind of sit down and talk with the developer Anna a little bit. Um, mm. This game started off as her senior project. Um, this is a woman who's like in her early forties. Um, I really hope she's in her early forties because otherwise yeah, I just wow. insulted Damn, her. Damn, James. <laughs> we'll say late thirties. This is a woman who's in her late thirties. Who's um, like probably twenty five at most. Um... Uh, no, I'm pretty sure she said she was forty one. <laughs> You know what? Fuck the age. Yeah, this is a woman from Brazil. <laughs> um, so she did this as her senior project and then just kind of took it from there and started developing it. Um, you know, what she said, one of the things she loved is that because she was working on this solo, if she got an idea, she just kind of went forward with it, just did it and put it into the game, which is really mm. cool. But watching you play, I could see that like maybe that that maybe that was a little overboard because um, there are definitely times where it looked like you know, you were playing one game, then suddenly you were playing another game, then suddenly you were playing another game. And I mm -hmm. I don't know. Personally, I didn't feel like you had enough time to really get comfortable with any one of those style games before it exploded to the next section. 
Yeah, I I'm, I don't know if that's uh, because of it, the demo was trying to show you the, the the overall concept, like that it does shift, or whether that's how the game goes. But yeah, that is the truth. But then on the one hand, it, it meant that I got to move on from a that, that kind of one section that I wasn't enjoying that much onto something else. So that was a positive, I guess, for me. Like, because I understand the concept. The concept is great. It's just that, that I found... I just wanted to play the game. I didn't want to do the the meta game aspect of that as such, like the the classroom aspect. I don't know. It's just I felt like there was there was too much going on for me. But I mean, maybe that maybe that like other people enjoy that. The fuck do I know? This game had the coolest booth. <laughs> they literally had the ghost traps from Ghostbusters two. Yeah, the, no, the actually, real ones. yeah, like the legitimate ghost under traps. the desk, under the desk too, just hidden under there. <laughs> well in case a ghost shows they up they found a company that does props for movies and had a bunch of 80s memorabilia stuff that they rent out for for films and tv shows and this is coming out in may so this thing launches on may 22nd is when it hits mm-hmm. yeah so that's so if you have a the, yeah oculus vive and ps playstation vr mm-hmm. yeah so you, you're gonna need a vr headset to play it check it out it's a over the top nostalgia crazy game like i don't think there's any other game like it so definitely check it out uh super giant games was there again this year Mm. they are my favorite game company (laughs) (laughs) they're the ones behind bastion and transistor which are two of my favorite games of all time pyre came out last year and i saw the demo there and i bought it as soon as it came out but i actually haven't gotten to play it until very recently um just like the last few days i was kind of inspired to play it after um hanging out at the booth a little bit and talking to darren Corb, the composer uh who we interviewed last year mm-hmm. he's a great guy we talked to him a few times this weekend pyre is great it's a little different than their previous games in that it's more of a an interactive story and I know you, Matt, played the demo last year mm-hmm. where it's kind of interspersed with a a little sports game called Rights. Yes. Um, so it'll go through this this interactive story where you decide which way to go and, you know, who you side with on your caravan. And then you'll go into this sports thing, which I am actually terrible at. <laughs> but I am really enjoying the game. Anyone who likes Supergiant or just... Mm wants a game to play i would i would recommend checking this out and if you haven't played their games before go back and play bastion and transistor they are amazing yeah they just make good solid um thought-provoking games there and the the art music uh concept is always just like like i said just really solid they're all it's a very small team so everything is written together Mm. so the art style fits with the story and the music slots in to yeah it's all, it's all feels considered and intentional. It feels like an, like art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, before we move on to talking about tabletop, we really should talk about the, the one competition that we joined up in. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is the first time I've ever done a competition at PAX. And I thought, what better way to do it than a uh, high-stress game that we've never in, played before. in a high-pressure situation? <laughs> so uh, the game Keep Talking Nobody Explodes. This has been out for quite a while now. Uh, mm-hmm. For for all of us, it was basically the first time playing it, and we yep. jumped straight in. We didn't do a demo; uh, we we did the the competition. Yep, I'm glad that, we did it that way. Actually, yeah, you know what? We did all right. 
Well, you guys yeah. did. Yeah, you two did all right. Yeah, you did all right too. Nah, me, the Jameses, we we lost pretty quick. <laughs> the Jameses, I forgot about that. But we actually we watched um, a little bit. Like Matt and I stayed back after we got kicked out and watched a few more rounds. And there were about five teams that just went on forever until I think it was like another hour. And we're like, no, we can't watch anymore. We've got to, yeah. we've got somewhere else to go. Well, we had to go play Thornwatch. That's right. <laughs> we could talk about Thornwatch as well, like since since it's literally being printed. But uh, yeah, keep talking. Nobody explodes. You got to disarm a bomb. One person has the manual. The other person has the bomb. And you got to explain to the other person how to disarm it. I'm sure listeners are probably familiar with it. Yeah, it's been out for years now. It's a great game. It was great. It was great. If you haven't played it, play it. Yeah, I don't think... It can't be expensive. It's like... And I think it's available as a board game too, right? Or am I mistaken about that? I've never seen it as a board game. Yeah, I think one of them has to be in some kind of virtual form. Yeah, I don't think it's a board game. <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely think you lied about that. I mean, yeah, you I can think... get the uh, the manual printed out. <laughs> yeah, you can print the manual right off their website. <laughs> Podcast at multiplenerdgasm.com. <laughs> Tell me I'm a knob. <laughs> Subject line, Matt is wrong. Yeah, again. So, um, so while you guys were finishing watching that, I was mm. off learning the rules to Thornwatch so that yes. I could teach you how to play and run you through the game. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if we haven't said this before, uh, James is our rule guy. Yeah. So anytime we have a game that we don't know how to play or we could easily learn but don't want to, we just give it to James. <laughs> yeah. And then we play a game while he learns how to play the next game. Yeah. It's uh, it's an honor, I guess, really, to, to be that guy. You know, Every group <laughs> should have a James. They, they should. Mm-hmm. Every group should have a James. <laughs> I got to tell you, I sat down at the table to read the rules and I had like six or seven groups of people come over and be like, hey, are you going to run a demo? Every time I was like, no, guys, I'm just here learning the rules for my friends who are off having fun so I could play the game with them. <laughs> but um, There is a photo up on our, our um, Instagram and Twitter of James learning the rules. That's true, yeah. yeah. So, In his uh, element. So, let's speak of the rules to Thornwatch first, right? Um, mm. they're, they're pretty clean. This game did not take me long to to learn. Uh, the mechanics are relatively simple. Uh, it's it's a game that's designed to be run by a player. So you'll have a multiplayer game. I think it's like up to four players. Oh, no, six. You can have up to whatever, six or five players. Look on the website. They'll tell you how many players you can have. Um, but one <laughs> James person, didn't make the game. <laughs> I definitely did not make this game. One person is what's known as the judge. So they control the game. Um, and you're you're almost DMing in a sense, but you're really just helping the story move along. You do get to play as the enemy, um, mm. and you can make it as difficult or as easy as you want for the players of the game. What I really liked was simple, clean mechanics, um, a lot of different mission types and styles inside of the game, but uh, it's a storyline that really unfolds, and it it tells a story which I think a lot of games kind of miss out on. You know, they'll get that one-shot play or that really interesting thing. This game tells a story that unfolds as you progress, and Mm. you can change the direction of where that story goes. As a judge, as the person running the game, that's one of the things that you get to do, is kind of direct where these players are going to go and what they're going to encounter. This was similar to Apocrypha, too, that we talked about in the... um... Uh, the PAX Unplugged episode where you can role play this game as much or as little as you'd like because the cards do offer prompts 
and you can just use that as and play it as a board game, or you can really get into it and play it as a tabletop RPG. Mm. Yeah, like if you've got friends who want to get in and and kind of be the characters and and kind of role play Dungeons and Dragons style, kind of and 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 you know quip and carry on, you can do that, or you can just put the cards down and roll dice and play it like a you know Monopoly or something. Yeah, and this if was the, the what we were playing. <laughs> James's with... favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> what um, what we were playing with here was the very first printed editions of the game. Um, yeah. And by very first, I mean Thursday morning at PAX East, they unwrapped the cellophane of these games. And that is mm-hmm. the first time the publisher saw the final printed version of the game. So it was really cool. It was really interesting to see. It was a ton of fun to play. Really, It was really a privilege, guys. Yeah. Yes, it was a privilege. <laughs> my, uh, my copy arrives soonish i guess since they're printing them now so i backed it on kickstarter it will be coming to us soon and then we have one more game to add to the stable yeah i know it's gonna be because we we need (laughs) more games yeah it's gonna arrive and then it's gonna sit on a shelf until we're done with all the other games that we've been playing yep speaking of other games that we've been playing we got to play the new release from Atlas Games. Oh, Cursed which, Court. Yes, which they yeah, were demoing that game it. is really good. I just wish Alex didn't suck at it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I am sending this to him. Yep, nope, you can send that right through. Hey, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Let so, your friends listen. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to, they were demoing this at, uh, at PAX Unplugged and we saw it, but we didn't get to play it because it was, there was, you know, like a, they filled up, they were demoing it the whole weekend. But uh, we actually got to challenge them, the, the guys from Atlas to a bunch of games over the PAX East weekend, uh, which was fun. It was like, super yeah, it was fun. a great group. It was great playing with them. Yeah. And it, it's a fun game. Like, it's really fun. Like, it's, it's simple to learn, but you. Difficult to master. Yes. I actually, and I guess that's how I'm going to describe the other board game that we came home with a copy of from back <laughs> east but yeah that's uh that is what i like about it like yeah one it's you can learn what you have to do easily it's just it's not as everybody learns to be better at it it just gets harder and harder because yeah you screw each other over so you you bet on uh on whether certain cards are or are not going to appear uh and that's basically the gist of the game is that you have to bet. Yeah, this was like poker in board game form. Kind of, yeah. That's a good point. Kind of, not really, sort of. (laughs) James will now give a very eloquent explanation of the game. This is honestly a game that you kind of need to watch being played or play itself in order to fully understand. But just know that the game is really fun. Yes. And the guys from Atlas, except for Travis, no, Travis was really good. Alex was the one who sucked. (laughs) Jeez. I'm just saying, zero I points know, in the damn. first round? Come on. <laughs> well, I love you, Alex. I'm sorry. Alex, we had a great time playing with yeah. you. I'm just sorry, throwing that out there as much as possible, so hopefully one of them gets into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> love now, you, the other game you picked up, because um, you guys only purchased two games, right, was Illimat. And this yes. was a only, game... I'm sorry. How many did you purchase? Me? Zero. <laughs> This is the first time I went to a convention and bought zero <laughs> games. You have no idea how happy my wife was when I got home. 
<laughs> so uh Illumat, right? This was this is mm. a game developed by the Decembrists, the band. Yes. Which is interesting. Um <laughs> No, no, that's that's they said that too. The the it, two together studios kind of uh, put it put it together as a game in the end and and he even said when he was describing it to us uh, they got the call and said oh you know do you know the band of the decemberists they've come up with a board game and he was like oh great let's hear the the board game that the band came up with and then uh yeah it's a fucking excellent game <laughs> it was really cool apparently they would um they came up with this by playing card games on their tour bus and um wanted some really old pub like feel. Yeah, it's very very old school. It looks like tarot cards. It's really cool. Yeah. It yeah, it feels very old world. And I, I love that the, the the box is part of the game. Like it's it, it comes in a box that you require to play the game. <laughs> like it's a feature of the game. I love that. Mm. And the board itself is great, um, because mm. the the box is very small. So you it is portable. It comes with a fabric board that unfolds. You, you don't have to carry around this big game like so many other games. Yeah, yes. I mean, when, when you described it as a game that, that you would think you could find in an old bar, it, like legitimately, you could take this game to a bar and play it. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's small. It's compact. It's fun. It's really easy to play. It's really easy to set up. And the mm -hmm. box being part of the game mm -hmm. means that you, you don't have something you need to push to the side. It's It's all right there. It's great. It's really, really well done, and it's deep too. Like it, it's like it, again, it's the more you play it, the more strategies you come up with. I suck at this game. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Except I won when we played it here. So it, it's yeah. No, you can't really say you suck because you did win. I don't suck at this game. Podcast at multiplenerdgasm.com. Wait, wait. Did you know you were winning? No. Okay, no, I maybe didn't. you do suck. Yeah, I think I think I he do. sucks. I think I was, he accidentally I, won. I, I definitely thought I was sucking at it. And uh and then towards the end I realized what I was doing wrong, but apparently I should have just stuck with whatever it was I was doing in the first place. So Because it worked. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, I'm yeah. looking at how many albums the Decemberists have, and it's blowing my mind. <laughs> I'd not heard of them before this. I'm not a huge fan. Like I, I have one from apparently from two thousand and two. Uh and I, I really haven't listened to them since. And they've they have a whole world of albums now. <laughs> I should I mentioned that we the reason we checked out this game in particular uh, was because Patrick Rothfuss uh, mentioned it during his excellent panel and uh, gave it a good rap. So that's one of the things that led us to to trying it out. Um, that was a really good panel. And if you don't know who Patrick Rothfuss is. Google him and then read his books and then enjoy him like I enjoy him. That sounds weird. That did sound yes, a little does. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I feel like he wouldn't dislike that. So, well, I mean, I don't know if he would like that, but you're right. He wouldn't dislike it. Yeah. I think, I think he'd be okay with now, that. One of those games that, that I don't think was super in depth, but was a ton of fun was Organ Attack from yes. the Awkward Yeti. Mm hmm. That was a fantastic game. So we got to test yeah, play was. that. Um, now, I've heard of this a couple of times. One of my cousins has it. He loves the game. He was telling me about it. So I was pretty excited to sit down and actually play it. And we played with Ryan from Awkward Yeti. Yeah, it's like a, like another, I guess, kind of party quick uh, card game where you basically 
try to destroy each other's organs with disease. And what I love about the game is that these diseases are not like the, the designer didn't just sit down and make up these diseases. Like the guy who designed this game <laughs> took medical books out, researched mm. diseases that would actually kill these specific organs and created a game using real diseases. Yes. Yes. It's very cool. And it comes in a uh, a box that looks like a medical book. Yeah, it looks like um, the Merck Manual for anyone familiar with with medical books. Is. No idea what that is. Yeah, what is the Merck Manual? It's a medical book. Sounds like something. <laughs> the, <laughs> the medical book of illnesses and diagnoses. Diagnoses. That mm, makes a lot go. of sense now. Huh. <laughs> it looks like a cool book. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a fun game. Um, yeah, check it out. It reminded me of... Uh, uh, there was a game we played at uh, PAX Unplugged uh, that I've forgotten the name of. Oh, oh that um, game. That was really good. I have no uh, idea what it's called. Yeah. They're not not the same, but similar in theme where you're playing to, to, to knock out uh, your opponents. I, was it Super no, Fight? No, no, no. Wasn't this one where you were trying to get diseases and kill yourself? Oh yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it was. It was almost like an inverse of. Well, listen attack. to the Pax East episode, and we'll tell you all <laughs> about that game. Yeah. yeah, podcast it's... at multiplenerdguess.com. Let us know what fucking game we played. We'll tell you how great it was, it's what the name Death was, Wish. everything you need to know on that. Death game. Wish. Yeah, it is. Was it Death Wish? No, Death Wish yeah. is a movie. No, uh, both. It's both. Did you look that up on the multiple nerdgasm website where we could have yes. easily just looked that inf- information I absolutely up? did. Yeah. Podcast no, I, I, all the at multiplenerdgasm.com. There's some Star Wars games that we played because you, you have to play Star Wars games. And uh, they're from Fantasy Flight because when you play a Star Wars game, it has to be from Fantasy Flight. Yes, exactly. It's required these days. Actually, I think it literally is required. I think, yeah. So I'm not joking about that. That was, I, yeah. It has to. Yeah. You played Destiny, right? Yeah. So I got to play uh, Star Wars Destiny, which is their card slash dice collecting um, game. Uh, this has been out for a while now, so it's no big surprise if you've, if you've heard about it. But this was my first chance to sit down and play it. Um, overall, I'll, I'll just start off with a couple of things. One, I really do not like player versus player games or single player versus single player. Just because mm. when I play games, I like to sit down with a group of people. And it's, I don't have that one person that I'll sit down with and want to combat with. Like, that just doesn't happen. Um, But I wanted to play this game so I could get an idea of the mechanics, the feel, the balance, uh, see how well they did with it. And I loved it. I think they did a fantastic job. Um, It is another collectible card game, except now you also have dice thrown into the mix on top of the cards. And the, the fun part about that versus something like Magic the Gathering, you know, if you're playing Magic... You know what your cards are going to do, and they're going to have that same impact every single time. There's no real luck to what the card does. It's just whether you draw that card or not. Whereas right. in this game, you now have that dice element. So you hmm. can have an amazing setup and have a shitty roll, and it just falls right. to your opponent. Or, you know, that vice versa could happen. You you know, your opponent could have something amazing set up with cards, have a couple of shitty rolls, and suddenly the whole thing is switched to your side. So I, I like that. I think it adds that little bit of element of risk, surprise. Um, you know, it's just it was a really fun game, well balanced, great to play. I'm never gonna own it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't realize that it was a 
like a collectible game card game. I thought you kind of just bought the game and then you played it, but it's it's more like Magic where you kind of buy booster packs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So huh, you get the you get the core game. Um, every booster pack is going to come with one card that has a die with it, and then a bunch of other cards. So every time you get a booster pack, you're adding dice to your collection, and the dice are associated with specific cards. And mm. you know, as traditional Star Wars. You can go light side or you can go dark side. You know, you can go Empire or Rebels with it. Yeah, you can go Empire or you can suck. Pretty pretty much, yeah. That's mm. that's how it works. I didn't realize <laughs> this was a collectible. I, that actually makes me glad that we never got into it. Yeah, me too. I was just thinking that. Like, oh, that was th- I was close there. I almost yeah. bought it a couple Dodged times. Dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Speaking of dodging a bullet, I, uh, I, so far I've managed to avoid getting sucked into this next game we're going to discuss but i oh man this game is like the bane of my existence and i've never played it mm. because you want it so badly but... i want it so bad star wars legion it's beautiful it's, yeah the figure the figures are so fucking cool it's it's i mean if you've played x-wing you know it's the same thing but it's the you know ground troops and stuff basically or oh, and vehicles it's like uh land battles i guess is that how you would describe them yeah but space battles are cooler <laughs> space yeah, battles are really cool yeah but, but they don't have yeah. darth vader it says darth vader uh you can get a tie advanced in x-wing yeah, but then I gotta pretend that Darth Vader's in there with this one. Well, you like, know he's, he's right in there. It. He's right well, no, there. No, no, no. He's only it. in it when you use Darth Vader pilot card because all the ships have pilot cards that come with them. Yeah, with this he's like right there on the board. Yeah, he's an actual miniature that you get to play with and like <laughs> kill Luke with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. You you it, it rem- have you ever played like Warhammer, James? I I haven't. Have you? No, that's what I, and I was going <laughs> to ask, right? Because no, no, I I because I it, it reminds me of what I think that's probably like. Do they measure so I'm, like I'm with the way hundred percent? Yeah, this game reminds me of what I feel like Warhammer forty k is. <laughs> yes. Don't know if that's okay. true. Good. Well, as long as I'm not the only one. But no, because no, I down. wondered is because with with Legion, right? So uh, it's Star Wars miniatures. You put the miniatures on the board. Uh, you have cards that dictate what the miniatures can do and how much health they have, and you roll dice to see damage. Uh, it's it it can get quite involved, so I don't think we're going to be able to cover all the rules here. But that's the general concept. But when you move them around, you have to measure the distances with like these little sticks, like like you do in X-wing miniatures. And I just wondered in because I, I know in Warhammer and stuff, I think they just measure with like a ruler, right, and move stuff. Yeah, so, so they measure with ruler, tape measure, things like that. But, right. I mean, it's. At the end of the day, it's the same thing, right? It's measuring how far it yeah. can shoot, what that range is, or what that movement's going to be. Um, one of the things that I like about Star Wars Legion, which is identical in uh, X-Wing uh, miniatures, is that when yeah. you have ships, they have basically little preset flight paths, right? Like you choose what that path is going to be, and it's always going to turn on this angle type of deal. Yeah. Um, so that adds just kind of a an element of strategy to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's Star Wars. It's pre-painted Star Wars miniatures. <laughs> pre-painted, <Yep>. guys. 
<laughs> and once again, everyone, the email is info at multiplenerdgasm.com, and you can tell Matt how Warhammer is played. Yeah. Actually, podcast yeah. Could, at multiple could someone do that for us? Or Matt at multiplenerdgasm.com. There's a, there's a lot of ways to get in touch with me. Mnerdgasm on Twitter, Multiple Nerdgasm on Facebook, Multiple Nerdgasm on Instagram. Uh, go to multiplenerdgasm.com. Go to multiplenerdgasm.com slash merch. Buy some merch. Support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash multiple nerdgasm. Uh, there's one other board game we tried out that I believe uh, you were you were pretty keen to try it out, Jenna. I was. Um, this was the Buffy Legendary game. Um, we have played, James, you actually own the Marvel one. And as much as I like Marvel, I like Buffy better. <laughs> and I wanted to see how this one played. It is very similar to that one. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think I would buy it. It's a good game, but I would probably go with a different, just not Buffy on this one. What up? Yeah. I, so I remember you telling me there were a couple of issues like with, with characters or something. There were a few things. Um, one of which is that they're kind of spread through every season, the cards that you get. So you can build up things like Xander from season six to fight uh, the big bad from season one, which just doesn't... <laughs> you just can't, can't I, I, yeah. get there with, mentally. Exactly. Um, yeah. The thing I honestly... <laughs> the thing that I personally had the biggest problem with, um, you know that card that you can just... If you have, like, two monies, you can just buy the cheap card that, like, does nothing really and is, like... Counts uh, for like one little fight. Yeah, yeah. I know um, what you're gonna say. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I feel like there are so many characters that they could have used for this card that's just, hey, let me assist you in a fight. I'm not gonna be very useful, but at <laughs> least I'll be something. And they they chose Felicia Day, who is in like a couple of episodes as a useless potential slayer, and also I hate her. So, wow! Don't hold back. <laughs> Podcast so just... at multiplenerdgasm.com. <laughs> if you're listening, Felicia Day, she's not listening. So, <laughs> no. So your issues with the game were one: that Felicia the, Day is in it. <laughs> Felicia Day is in it. Period. Yeah, that Felicia Day is in it at all. That, that killed that, the like, whole fucking choose... game. Um, yeah, totally. But I, I also feel like it wasn't as immersive as a Buffy story. It just felt like a Buffy skin on an already established game. Right. Um, because yeah. you're still playing on the purple playmat. It's it doesn't it doesn't really feel like it's so bringing anything Buffy to <laughs> to life. Yeah. So it didn't improve the game any, and it and it the way it handled the Buffy stuff was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair so enough. for a true Buffy fan. Definitely not the way to go. No. But if you want <laughs> no. a legendary card game, because essentially all the legendary card games, whether it's Alien vs. President, pr sorry, Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> I would play that. Yeah, Alien vs. President is a really good one. Whether it's Independence one. Day. Um, yeah. Alien vs. Predator, uh, Firefly, Marvel, Buffy, mm. you know, they're all legendary games. They all use the same core mechanic. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's picking kind of the theme that you enjoy the most. Uh, Marvel has by far the most expansions for it. So if you want to mm. get a game that has continuation and more variability in it, probably that'd be the Marvel game. But if you're not, if you love Buffy, 
but maybe not Jenna love Buffy. That could be the way to go. <laughs> sure. Look, if you love Buffy, I have another Buffy board game. Or if, if you love Felicia Day. It is much, much better. Oh, yeah. If you love Felicia Day, maybe Buffy's yeah. the way to go. There's like a hundred cards with her face on them. I feel like so. if you love Felicia Day, this podcast is not for you. <laughs> All right, Luke loves Felicia Day. He's, well, he's literally on this podcast most of the time. <laughs> I, I like Felicia Day. Ooh. Oh, shit. Was it sh- Do I need to take that back? Nah. All right. I'm not, I've met Felicia Day. I got in trouble off Luke for talking to her because he told me I wasn't allowed to talk I to her. I guess it's just me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna at multiplenerdgasm.com. <laughs> <laughs> so that concludes our, uh, our Felicia Day episode of uh, the Multiple Nerdgasm <laughs> podcast. And also the PAX East wrap-up for this year, I believe. We saw a lot of stuff, like so much stuff, and I'm sure we've left little things out here and there. You know, we saw a performance by Darren Korb and uh, and a string quartet, which was really fantastic. An amazing warrior, uh, Waluigi cosplay. Uh, that was, like, you see that on the Instagram? That was fantastic. Uh, it's a great weekend. Oh, speaking of the cosplay, I'm going to be honest, I was, I was not overly impressed like I normally am with the cosplay. Yeah, I liked that Indiana Jones that we saw when there was Indiana Jones and oh, someone was, dressed as the good. boulder following her around. Was that's that that's pretty sweet. Indiana Jones. Well, guys, if you're listening to this, send us an email. Let us know. Info at Multiple Nerdgasm. What do you want to hear more about? Do you want to know more about the games? Do you want us to bring interviews back? Do you want to know more about the panels? Um, if you want, take a look at what's going on at PAX, when they appear, what's happening. Shoot us an email and tell us what you want us to go to and check out. And if we can make it happen, mm-hmm. we will. Unless it's a YouTuber. We're not going to do that. <laughs> if there's a convention that uh, that you know of that you think we should check out, let us know. Because we, uh, we go to a bunch, but uh, we're always looking for cool new things to, to check out. Thanks for listening. And, uh, and if you were at PAX East... Uh, we have had a good show. A plus plus would packs again. Well, always, <laughs> always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Contractually obliged. <laughs> <laughs>